We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Huddersfield Town nil, Newcastle United won. Oh, what fun it is to see Newcastle win away. We sang in the away end. Uh, what a day. What a terrible game of football, but who cares? And you've got myself, Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, Adam Widrington and Simon Campbell to talk to you for the next 45 minutes to an hour about Newcastle United and Rafa's Mighty Mags. Heading up the league, away from the relegation zone and uh, and all of that. Uh, quick things first, we are in partnership with FansBet, uh, the unique gambling company who share 50% of their net profit with fan organisations like True Faith or whatever. Um, uh, so if you like a gamble, we recommend you check them out. If you don't, please don't. Don't please start gambling on our behalf, but I'm sure you wouldn't anyway. Uh, and then we are also sponsored by our patrons who pay £5 a month for loads of these podcasts and keep this podcast free. Lads, Norman, Adam, Sai, uh, I'm still glowing in the and the beauty of three points. It was an absolute nightmare of a drive home, but it doesn't matter when you've got three points in the bag. The stupid A19 was closed because people were crashing their cars uh, in the weather, which was infuriating. We had to drive through fucking Sunderland, which no one likes to do. Um, <laughs> but Norman, Norman, we'll start with you. Why don't you describe to the lovely listeners uh, your trip from London to and from Huddersfield yesterday? Um, it, was, it was a great day, absolutely. I mean, the results, just the icing on the cake. Um, and if people, if anyone's listened, any parents have listened, listened to this, have listened to the uh, match day pod. I think on the train on the way up, I'm pretty much saying like this. This moment is kind of what you, it's the moment. Like this is all what you do it for. The, the whole build up was fantastic. The train journey up, drinking on the train, talking about football, and it's almost you think like it, regardless of the result, what we have to try and do is remember this because this has just been brilliant so far. And anything after it is an absolute bonus. And um, obviously, as I say, we we got the result, which was magnificent. But um, I got. Talked to some good people on the train, um, met a, a young Huddersfield fan on the way there, on the uh, leads to Huddersfield leg, he was absolutely sound um, on the way back. Got talking to another Huddersfield fan, again a bang on lad, um, they're, they're, both, they're both on the um, Match Day podcast and it was really good to get to get their input and also to kind of get their um, another magnanimous attitude towards losing like such a big game, they were very... Um, Actually, they were a bit like uh, Wagner after the match yesterday. I thought I thought Wagner could have come out and you know give it the give it the um, we were so unlucky, blah, you know we we dominate the game, etc., etc. And he didn't. He was very kind of well. We just didn't create enough clear cut chances. Simple as that. And and they were very much like that. And I uh, the whole day the, the whole day just went fantastically well. Um, the atmosphere I thought in the in the way end, despite the the sideways sleet, which I've I, I've referenced the Stoke match away last season on a good few occasions as being a kind of you know the the benchmark for what I consider to be the perfect performance under pressure when the points are absolutely required and I think we, we kind of did that yesterday and in uh, the, the weather matched the weather in Stoke last year as I say that 
that sideways ice cold sleet driving into your face and it nil nil at half time you can really feel it but um by about seventy minutes yesterday we just I think we completely forgot that. We we were all on the verge of getting hypothermia. Um I brilliant, brilliant day. I really enjoy the way that when I've asked asked you how was your day, you've managed to get David Wagner's post post match comments saying that's you're a true football man. Thanks, mate. <laughs> like, yeah, like your wife getting bangs. How how was this a hit Norman? Well have you heard Wagner on the telly? He's been polite, he's been he's been cordial, you're not been a cracker every day. Um, that just shows how much you love the game. Yeah, my experience is similar to yours. We, we drove down and we, we came in a weird way into Huddersfield, like away from the train station in the city centre, town centre. Um, we're, we're, we're at a lovely little pub, Wilmore Norman. Um, oh, we met you there. £8.20 for three pints. Um, you know, more of that, please. Other places, other pubs <laughs> near football grounds in England. Um, and it was really, it was really nice, right, nice atmosphere. And then it just pissed it down to a, you know, it wasn't just the, the fact that the rain was heavy and non-stop it was the fact it was like literally zero degrees freezing so you kind of were getting frozen we walked down the biggest of hills ever to get to the ground we had to walk back up that hill after the game um and at half time it wasn't a particularly happy place because it was one of those where you're just like what am i doing here it's fucking freezing it's christmas time i should be like with a family i need to make a family first but i should probably try to do that and like try and be a proper grown-up and do these things at Christmas time rather than standing here freezing my bollocks off watching Huddersfield dominate a game against Newcastle. <laughs> Fast forward 45 minutes, and I just want to go back. Uh, so goals, goals change games and outlooks. Um, but, a, but a cracking day, the away end was magnificent. So I've got some audio from the away end, which we'll have for the match day podcast. We're going to man- mention this match day podcast like 100 times because we won. Um, well, I'm going to keep that for the end of the show. Um, but the away end was fantastic. Second half, some brilliant songs, really happy just loads of Newcastle United fans. We were bumping into people on the way out, absolutely fucking buzzing. Like people who go to the away games who you kind of don't know that well, but you see them and you give them a nod and a hello. Um, and everyone was just fucking like everyone knew the the gravity of this result, which we're going to go into later. But we may as well talk about some actual football because that's what everyone's here to listen to. Um, so Adam, we're going to I'm going to start with you, and um, I've noticed through your two network account couple of exchanges where you were you were clearly very enthused by the performance, Adam. You were very positive about what the lads gave and. And at half-time yesterday, I, I mean, I don't know how you were feeling, Adam, but there was a few boos at half-time from the away end, which is always a ridiculous thing to do. Never mind a fucking half-nil, uh, half-time nil-nil against Huddersfield. But we were also very disparate at half-time because Huddersfield, who are very poor side, it have to be said, had dominated the game. What were your overall thoughts on the performance, Adam? Yeah, I, I, I've, got to, I've got to agree with the... I mean, the first half performance, I was very despondent. I thought that we... You know, given that, that their key man was, was out and absent and the fact that their... They they had to start with essentially their second choice striker. You know, we weren't as potent on the counter attack as we had been against Burnley, as we had been against Everton. We were never going to dominate possession as such. I think when we when we do dominate possession, it's a very rare occurrence with this uh, set of players. But you know, I just expected us to kind of take the game more, but I just felt our our passing was off. We were we were sort of panicked a bit. Uh, they were obviously from the off trying to just lump balls in towards Depatra, and uh, we just uh, in terms of the final third, we were just absolutely blunt. So I mean, it was a it was a re- it was probably one of our poorest halves of football this season um, against a team that we really should have been. And you think you know as he's, as 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 you mentioned the. the gravity of the game the, the the situation how important it was to absolutely not lose and and ultimately even, even a draw I don't think would have done us any favours but whatever happened at half time Alex 
we, we got to kick up the arse and suddenly you know I mean P- Perez had been p- p- working really really hard first half anyway but it was Suddenly, the movement and and things just seem to click a bit better in the second half in terms of the potency of our counter attacks. And I'm not even just referring to the the absolutely excellent move that led to the goal, but we we just seemed a bit more dangerous and we had a few more chances. You know, Atsu had a strike um, from the from the edge of the box. Richie had a strike from the edge of the box when he came in. Um, you had the the counter attack that Atsu tried to feed uh, to Perez, which was called offside when it was blatantly onside. So. We did so much more in that second half, um, and it should have been a lot more comfortable than it was. But uh, honestly, it wasn't a pretty game. It wasn't a particularly good game for the neutral. But what, what I was most impressed about, and I think which which is what you're referring to, is the, the, how much we battled, how much we fought, um, the discipline that we showed, um, the, the structure, you know, the tactical structure that we that we that we demonstrated, the lines. We made it. We can make it so so difficult for teams to score against us, and they dominated possession. But you know what? It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, and, and Norman alluded to to Wagner sort of saying, "Well, he could have said, oh, well, we dominated this, dominated that.' But if you're not getting reasonable, clear cut chances, you, you you can't expect much from the game anyway. I mean, probably the most dangerous player in the first half was Fabian Scher in, in terms of you know <laughs> meaningful shots at goal. Um, and he got in behind in the first half but yeah I just thought it was embattled and the players understood just how important that was and, and a pragmatic Rafa Benitez will be delighted with with that full time whistle yeah and it was um, it was echoed in the away end as well and uh, similar scenes to Burnley with Mark Stay in kind of 20-25 minutes after the final whistle to saying who was that team we call United Um you know, on the Match Day podcast, which we record kind of before, during and after the game for patrons, um, we've been lucky recently to catch some of the goals. Just We don't really record much of the game. It's only kind of five or ten minutes as we're describing what's going on, or, or normally after, before and after goals. But we've managed to capture um, Norman's beautiful um, rendition or whatever, commentary of this goal. So we're going to play uh, right last uh, this recording right now for listeners and talk about it a little bit because it's one of the goal. It was one of the great goals to witness and apt, I mean, call it scenes, limbs, whatever you want to call it, whatever adjective or word you want to put in there in there for 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 what happened in that away and after we scored that goal. But here's here's Norman's brilliant commentary for about ninety seconds or so. We've, we've given them so much of the ball, so much of the ball. I'm fashioning anything. You know, we, we we've had a couple of attacks and we should have done better. And the thing is, these are yet to be fucking got at. Get a goal against him, and we've won the game. There it is. Pritchard still on the fucking shore, like to be fair. They better keep that, better keep that, better keep that, better keep that, keep the pressure up the pitch, up that, up that part of the pitch. That's it. Have we push the fullback, push the fullback. That'll do, that'll do, just keep them there, keep them pressed in. They, these are yet to be got at. The thing is, we're giving them so much of the ball, but they're actually creating anything clear cut. And the minute we get a chance, the minute we get a chance, if we're, clear, if we're clinical and if we go goal up against these lot, we will fucking win. One minute we in. One minute we in, yeah. Alright, half another gun, half another gun. Now teach. We'll let them blow the fucking load. Perez there, nice, lovely, lovely in the man queue. Great ball in! It's a goal! It's a fucking 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 goal! It
Yeah, lads. So, um... <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah, tell you what, that that like a sage. You are, nice. I mean, literally 30 seconds before the goal, you're saying they've blown their load. Um, if we get a goal against these, if we're clinical, we'll get one chance. We're scoring 30 seconds later. But I'm just going to read back um, your words, that little section, Norman, because it gets me emotional. You've gone, Perez there, lovely. Lovely into Mankio. Great touch. Great ball in. It's a goal. It's a fucking goal. It's a fucking goal by Rondon. It's a fucking goal by fucking Rondon. <laughs> and it was perfect. Like, fuck your alternative Queen's speech or your Queen's speech. Get that on. To get that to the nation. Like, I want that on a t-shirt. I want that on my house. And like, I'll, I'll tell you that. So I'm going to get this, like, you know, get, like, fa- I don't know what you call it, calligraphy or something with your fancy handwriting, like, on the wall. I want that. I want that wallpaper across my house. Uh, just so I can remember that, Norman. So, um... Aye, that was a brilliant moment, and uh, that that goal did change everything. Adam, Adam, I think you're totally right in what you said about half time. I, I noticed particularly that Christian Atsu was clearly told by Rafa to play much further up the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, in that formation, Atsu rolls a bit of a, a bit of a strange one because he's he's not playing on the wing, although he gets out wide. Um, it's kind of alongside Key and Diame, and in, in the second half, he was he was occup- he was much closer to the halfway line, essentially out of possession. And he really caused problems uh, for Huddersfield in the second half. But ultimately, Sai, um, there's one man who just, if he plays well or if he does something positive, um, it's good news for Newcastle United. And that's Solomon Rondon and, and, and your take on the goal and his general role in this side. Uh, yeah, it's funny you should say my take on the goal because that's pretty much all I've seen of the game. Uh, match mm. of the day didn't give him any of the highlights other than the second goal that wasn't. Um, the furthest I got away from me bed yesterday. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's because there wasn't any. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. it was a terrible, terrible game of football. I was out with me for my work Christmas due on Friday, so the furthest I got away from me bed yesterday was to collect the dominoes off the bloke at the door, and then I was straight back to bed. So I've only just caught up on all this this morning. Today being Sunday, um, yes, absolutely. Rondon has been an absolute revelation, hasn't he? I mean. Wh- Imagine where it would be if he was like available slash fit, properly fit for the first six or seven games. Um, I've I've just I'd forgotten I'd completely forgotten what it's like to have a centre forward, a proper centre forward. And this is no disrespect to Dwight Gale, who offers something totally different. Before you say anything, um, he's a, he's a he's a striker. He's a full on striker who can lead the line. He can hold up the ball and he can put put the ball in the back of the net. He's he's got all the attributes. This is why Rafa wanted him. This is why he was high up Rafa's transfer hit list even though we weren't even sure if he had the money to spend on him I'm absolutely devastated now to think we've only got him on loan and anything could happen in the summer but he's he's changed our season not single-handedly because I think there's a lot of players contributing at the moment but it just it, it glues the whole of our attack together having a player who can do he's just got all the attributes he's, he's the strongest player I've seen up front for Newcastle since Shearer and he's just he's just got all those attributes that have come into fruition Every week now. I mean, do you think, Sai, that um, if the club hadn't pissed about so much at the start of the season, would be much higher up the league because he wasn't fit until October, late October? Um, possibly. I mean, he wasn't fit in the summer. We might have signed him. He might have still had pre-season and had a few injuries. We might have still been where we are. Um, it would have been nice to have a more settled team a lot earlier. We might have had a few more points, but that's not to say. I mean, our first six games were still ludicrously hard, so we were always going to, you know, be near the bottom before we start to kick on and if you look at the season as a whole now 17 games played 16 points alright you could argue we should have had a few more points in those first few games I'm thinking Cardiff um, 
Man U was unlucky to, to get nothing from. Um, but then you could also say we've, we've got quite lucky where teams have missed last-minute chances against us at 2-1. Um, was it Bournemouth? Um, this one, to be honest, if we hadn't got that goal, we might never have got it. So the season is pretty much panning out how you'd expect it to be. It, it's kind of taken shape where we're not in the relegation zone. We're quite, what, was six or seven points off it now? Six points off Huddersfield, so I think that, that's where... Are they 18th? Um, yeah. Yet we're miles away from the from the top ten, so we're just we're just stuck in the middle, kind of safe, plodding along, waiting for some something massive to change at the club. Yeah, and and any any other words, la, la, sorry, any other words, lads from from Rondon there, Norman? I know you're a big fan of the the South American. Ah, uh, it's just um, I think it's just showing as Simon uh, said exactly why Rafa fought so hard to get him in. I was so determined to get him in, and and I think everything you know when. When we spoke with the um, Venezuelan um, football journalist, um, everything she said about Rondon is pretty much panned out. Um, exactly, exactly right. Um, is the way he leads the line, the way he shields the ball, the the movement, the, the, his strength in the air, his, his desire, um, and and his skill as well, and and he's a clinical finisher. All of it is is really coming to the fore, and it's so important we keep him fit, and you know. Let's uh, just have him jetting off like Leicester places like Iran and Japan to play in meaningless friendlies. Um, <laughs> he's he's ab- he's absolutely vital because he if he gets injured, if it, if we don't bring anyone in the window to, to at least back Rondon up or challenge him, if he gets injured, we're going to be in real dire straits because there is no one in the squad capable of replacing what he brings to the side. Um, in last season, to a certain extent, yes, we had Dwight Gale up front, but his goals record. Was so low that it's almost like we didn't really play with a with a kind of centre forward as as Sai says it and it just feels good to have that that focal point and no matter you know how old you are as a football fan how much football you have I am watched I, I think the vast majority of us love love a proper centre forward and that's what Rondon is and it's just really really good to um, to see him play and I'm I'm just look, I'm looking forward to seeing him play again put it that way. Adam, um, I didn't ask you about this uh, pre-podcast, so I'll throw this curveball at you, but can you talk to me about Perez? Because, again, I noticed you uh, yesterday singing his praises, um, and he's, you know, he's a hugely criticised and discussed player. Um, your thoughts on Isaac Perez yesterday? I thought he was absolutely outstanding, Alex. I thought mm-hmm. he was... I would probably say he was our best player. I know that the defence were excellent, but I thought I'd single him out. Simply from his ability just to, just to you know, brush off what is really unnecessary unfounded criticism of him you know people very very quickly forget that he he scored the winner against Watford he was 60 seconds away from scoring the equaliser against Wolves obviously it, it, it turned out to just be a consolation and he was a very poor offside decision away from scoring again uh, yesterday so and it, it's it's not only that it's his, it's his work ethic it's his tackling it's his technique that he shows he's unfazed but he can he, he's not scared to take a man on and i think what's really really important is the way that he links up with players like atsu you know i think he's bringing the best out of atsu at the moment i don't know what anyone else thinks okay. um, I, i'm one of the i'm one of atsu's biggest critics because i don't think he's good enough but i think we're seeing sort of atsu overachieving at the minute for his for his talent levels simply because of it would be the coaching staff, Rafa Benitez, and players like Perez and Rondon, who who give him confidence. And the link up between him, uh, between Perez and Atsu was particularly noticeable yesterday. And Perez and Rondon have have an affiliate uh, you know, affiliation as well. So it's 
it, it, it's really, really important, and I think it's going to be quite tough for for, for Muto to get in to get back into this side. Couldn't agree more. And this is my terrible analysis of it, but Perez from the away end, you could just tell yesterday that he was on his game. He was yeah, he obviously did that thing where he kind of gets foul. Or he feels his foul and he stays down on the floor, but. He, he maintained possession well the flicks were coming off and he scored a very good goal that should have been allowed but we're not allowed nice things I'm sick of like having a, like you know years being taken off my life watching Newcastle away from home clinging on to victories <laughs> like why can't it just be 2-0 uh, like you know like West Ham had at our place like why can't we just have that ever <laughs> stupid linesman um, from, from the sublime to the not so good Norman yesterday Kennedy was getting pelters from the away end in the first half can, can I just come in before you go to Norman there, just on the Perez criticism, which also leads us to, to Kennedy, actually. Um, he's, he's become that player, hasn't he? We've had them over the years where we have you're, you're sort of like know-all fans who've decided that they don't like a player, and it's 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 your Perez, it's your Gutierrez, it's scapegoats. your... Scapegoats. Uh, uh, scapegoats a good word. Um, yeah, Obertan got it, Sissoko got it. Once a small section of our fan base has decided that they don't rate a player... They've got an awful lot to do to ever convince them, and it's they're just waiting for the next mistake to sort of say, "I told you, shite! I told you, shite!" Perez has become that. Every time he has a bad game now, all these people are so eager to, "I told you, he was shite!" He's, and he he's doing so well right now, as he said, Adam, to to kind of come come out of that, and he's almost <coughs> unfazed, and that's that's, that's re- really important and shows how much character he's got and why he constantly gets in the side, why Rafa continues to trust him because he's clearly got the the strength, the mental strength to, to play in this team in spite of what s- some people are saying about him. And I think Kennedy's starting to get some of the same treatment and whether he's got the, the, the strength to get through it is, is, remains to be seen. But, but uh, Maybe, um, and that we'll get on to that yes, yeah, in terms of t- yesterday, yeah, because we're talking on Sunday now, um, but yeah, enormously your thoughts on that. Do you think a lot of the bile that came Kennedy's way is justified or do you think he was having a stinker? Because we talked... A long time on the match day podcast pre-game, and, and, and to quote you, Norman, you said this is last chance saloon for him to have a professional career at this level in terms of the Premier League. Aye, I, th- I think I think it is because um, he spent a season out on loan at Watford. I don't know he was injured for it, but, but he didn't really he didn't really get you know get in the side there. So there's obviously there was obviously something not quite right. Um, he's never been given a chance at Chelsea. In what is he now? Twenty two, coming on to twenty three. Um, and he's you know he's mercurial. He's got he's got so much talent. Um, but lately, his performances for Newcastle have just made me question his um, his mental application. Um, and I'm kind of scared that he's just going to slip off the radar radar almost at the moment. I, I genuinely feel at the moment he could be he could do with being um, dropped for two or three games um, because he just looks a little bit lost um, in terms of what his role is. In the side, um, obviously, you know, we know that he's kind of gone from playing as a left midfielder slash left winger to left back, left wing back. Um, he's still only young. He doesn't apparently speak that much English, um, and he's clearly got a he's clearly got a mental fragility. Yeah, we've said this before. When he's on song, he's fantastic, and when he's not, he's he's anonymous and not even anonymous to the extent that he, he's just quiet. He, he still gets the ball, but he makes a lot of mistakes, a lot of wrong decisions, um, and I think it's one of those where he just needs to kind of take a step back and listen to what Rafa and the coaching team are telling them and just almost obey it, completely obey it, like let himself be micromanaged to, you know, to the to a pass. Um because the moment he gets 
the moment he gets a bit too much time to think with the ball when his confidence is like this, he he offers nothing. I put it, but by the way, I don't think any of the if you see a bail, I mean, I, I don't recall any any particular the criticism being particularly nasty. But to be honest with you, I was about nine pints deep by that point. Um, I am, um, so I was kind of in my own little world. Uh, but in term, in terms of criticism of his performance, I think you know after the match, if you're analysing it, then yeah, he was he was poor yesterday, and he's been poor recently. And I think it's only by you know by by fault of the fact that we've got a very small pool of players that he hasn't actually been dropped um, and if we go back to playing 4-4-1-1 in the home game let's say against Fulham I'd rather Murphy I'd rather Murphy was on the left than Kendi I think Kendi needs to spell out the side um, and I think it'll do him the world of good and I want to see him succeed because as I say it would be a real shame if he didn't he'll end up, he'll end up going to, to Spain or Italy and playing for a middle t- mid-table side in Spain Italy, which there's nothing wrong with that by the way but in terms of the Premier League, I think other sides, will take, other sides will take a look at him at the end of the season if he continues in this vein and just say, well, no, he's not worth it. Some A couple of interesting stats about Kennedy uh, yesterday. I, I, I do agree with you, Norman. I, th- I thought he was, especially first half, was, was he was awful. He, he was struggling to make a very, very you know, simple passes. Um, but, you know, su- su- surprised to see that he kind of made uh, more ball recoveries yesterday than Diame even. Second highest on the pitch, Kennedy. Um, he had, um, you know, he made, headed clearances four out of four that he that he attempted, um, blocking crosses. So he would have done a bit of unsung work, um, but I, I think you know, obviously, we rely on Kennedy to to give us something in the in the in, in, in the final thirty, even despite playing it as as a, as a kind of left wing back. You know, Mankio managed to get it in the box to to assist Rondon. So it's kind of no excuse that just because he was playing left back that he should be he shouldn't be uh, um, you know contributing to our meaningful attacks. But you know whether he was he was told to kind of be a bit more reserved because we're away. That's something that is obviously Rafa will know, he will know, we won't be aware of. But I think yeah, in terms of the basics, he didn't seem to be getting those right. And yes, he does seem to be on a bit of poor form. And whether he was still a little bit injured from his ingrown toenail, which is Sounds like you'd have to say, but it, it it would be very painful. And he did actually, he did actually pull a muscle, I think, uh, clearing a ball yesterday. And he was definitely at full time. He was hobbling down the tunnel, um, so he did play through the pain barrier a little bit towards the end of the game. I'm not trying to excuse his performance because it was so far from what he can be. I think he's just again confidence player, like a lot of our players need, like Atsu, just needs needs a couple of things to come off. And he'll be and he'll be flying again. But at the minute, it's it's tough, and it's and it's a bit different to the Perez situation, as as mentioned before, in terms of people on his back. Because you know Perez is a permanent player for Newcastle, Kennedy isn't. So it's 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 a slightly different situation in that you know you know if he can't get through this, I mean mentally, does he want to? Is he kind of thinking, oh, I can't, I don't need this. I I, you know, I want encouragement. I don't need. I've had a couple of poor games, but I'm getting all this. All this criticism from the stands, you know, he at the end of the season, either way, he whether it's for his benefit or not, he can walk away. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree, and, and I think um, we saw the best of Kennedy in kind of spring last year. So, time. I mean, there's a lot of people saying at the game it's just the wrong kind of day to him. I, I don't know whether that's fair or not. Um, the, the lads behind us at the match were basically screaming at him to fuck off and <laughs> never play for Newcastle again, uh, which is a bit strong, personally. Um, I think but uh, yeah I mean there's, there's so many performances we're going to go through we can't talk about every single player I really quickly um, want to talk about um, two players 
who I thought were excellent yesterday, and that's Kieran Clark and Javier Manquillo. Um, and they're two players who don't often play much for this side, and I think you have to credit their professionalism, credit the fact that they keep training, keep working hard. They obviously have the respect of the manager, and he has their respect. And any time Mankio is named on the team sheet, there is a collective groan across the northeast. I think. Um, <laughs> and you know, Mankio set a goal up yesterday. It was a brilliant run to keep going. Um, fantastic! It was a fantastic ball. You've, you know, it looks easy to us, but it's not. Um, you know, it was a great. You know, Rondon basically couldn't miss. Um, and I just think you know, Mankio there. One of my issues with the criticism he's got. Listen, he's not a great player. I would, you know, I always play DeAndre Yedlin ahead of him. Um, and I wish we had better options, but I've never really seen Mankio like lose as a game or do anything really daft. I know he got hooked at half time against Cardiff, I think, but that was an injury, <laughs> as I've said. It not because he's on the yellow card and going to get sent off, but for all the criticism he gets, I don't think will he smash the ball into his own net in the ninety third minute, or he's given away, you know, like you know, the, less, the the first goal against Wolves, um, or even you know done what Yedlin did against Wolves. He's never done anything like that. Um, although he isn't particularly brilliant and then he's basically set up or played a major part in, in three points for Newcastle one of the biggest games of the season yesterday and he, he deserves all the credit that and he was fine all game yesterday it wasn't you know the best right back performance I've ever seen or right wing back but it was competent enough and when we go to Liverpool or when we go to Watford in particular if he started in that right wing back position I think he's far more suited to that with Fabian Scher just inside of him um, than, uh, than playing right back I thought he was good and I thought Kieran Clark as well was just superb um, I really like Kieran Clark. He, you know he's one of our best players in the championship season you know, is he our fifth choice centre back probably and Norman's going to talk a little bit about that in a, in a second but um, I just think every time he's called upon to come into the team he, he plays well and does a great job in that back three and puts his head in where it hurts and he, he's not afraid to make titles and in that first half when we, we were under pressure there were numerous balls coming out of the box and it was Kieran Clark every time getting the ball away um, and uh, I, you know we're, we're lucky um, in that as threadbare as our squad is and as under as it's had as little investment as it has we're lucky that we've got lads who are like Mankio and like Clark that can just come in from the cold from nowhere and perform like they have so very positive from, just, uh, from those two cool. lads Sorry, just quickly on that, Alex, in terms of uh, Clark and Mankiw, I think because we're in a very unique situation that because Rafa Benitez, world-class manager, isn't getting backed uh, financially, then they're two players who probably know they're very, very, very lucky to be in a Rafa Benitez squad. So they're not necessarily going to be sort of whinging, complaining that they're not getting enough minutes. Like you say, they're both just... Whatever you think of the, the, you know, their playing abilities, and I must say I, I've been impressed with Clark this season when he's when he stepped in, particularly. Um, Mankio has obviously hasn't played as much as Clark, but but I think the fact that they're both very professional, they'll step in and they'll just do a job, and they're happy to do so. They're happy to be part of that squad because I think, well, what's the alternative? Yes, they could be playing every week, but what in for for a lesser Premier League side or you know top Championship? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's debatable what their level is, but. I, I absolutely agree with you they absolutely must be commended for that Norman I want you to talk about the back five as it is personally I thought Rafa got it wrong against Wolves playing with a back five um, it's working away from home seven points from nine away from home is fantastic in the Premier League particularly for a club like ours who are just used to not winning away from home in the Premier League you know historically um, Fabian Scher is a player who kind of is, is bizarre because he doesn't work in a back four he was dreadful against West Ham uh, he was poor in other games this season in a back four, but put him in a back five, 
not only does he become fantastic, and if you look at whoscored.com, which isn't the be-all and end-all, but he's Newcastle's best-rated player this season with an average match rate of 7.31. Um, he looks a million dollars. He looks like Franz Beckenbauer, <laughs> uh, as I call him in my written match report for True Faith. Um, and in, in, in his, his ability on the ball yesterday... You know, basically set like started that goal. Um, what a ball it was at the line, the way it was a Perez. Um, but then I don't know, Norman, what, what do we do? Do we play five at the back against against Fulham at home or do we go back to four? And, and if so, if Lejeune is presumably going to be back, if not next week, but you know, for the Christmas period after, who on earth plays for Newcastle United at the back, in your opinion? Um, if we if Lejeune's fit and we go to four at the back, I would always I would always say that um, Lejeune, I would say Lejeune's a fixture. Um, Shea is clearly he's got so his footballing talent is is you know that is spectacular. He can he, he can run with the ball. He can pick a pass. He's um, his positional sense when he's attacking is unreal. I mean, if you look you look at the game against West Ham, he probably fashioned our best chance when he came came in at the back post and um, hit one along the floor that uh, Fabianski saved. And he he did something similar against um, against Huddersfield yesterday. He's he's one of those centre halves that you think um, once he gets a goal, he probably going to get four or five for the season. Um, but I still think that. I think that Lejeune not only has the kind of um, the football and ability of Shea, I also think he's a better defender. So for me, Lejeune is, is an absolute fixture. The other two centre halves, Lascelles and Fernandez. I mean, you know, it, you could, you know, it, it, you you decide. I mean, wh- whoever's in form at, the, at that particular moment in time, because they're both just equally as effective as each other at what they do. Um, in in terms of how we set up against Fulham, back five or um, back four. I mean, you see, it didn't work against Wolves. Um, Maybe, maybe not, but we were very much in the ascendancy um, at ones each before Yedlin was sent off, I thought, and I thought we were going to go and win the game. So if he'd won that game 2-1 with that back five, maybe maybe we wouldn't have thought it didn't work. You know, we won, so I, we could see it work. But um, oh, against Fulham, it's so tough because it depends what kind of, you know, what, what Fulham what Fulham's template on Aranieri is right now. Um, is it... Oh, they're still playing the same way they played on Ivanovic. You know, massively open at the back. To be honest with you, I saw the marking against um, West Ham yesterday, and it was absolutely fucking tragic. Um, oh God, mate, I, I can't answer it. I can't answer it because seven points out of nine away from home, spectacular. But then in the home match, does that sound a bit too defensive? Or do we play three centre halves and have just have the wing backs pushing pushing higher up the pitch? Um, I think I'm a good instinct, wasn't I? It's a good, good instinct, and I don't want to see Shea dropped. Therefore, we should go with five at the back. Um, but Shea's been brilliant. I'd just like to also mention, when you've got a player like Shea in the side, and then you've got Key in front of him, I don't know if you noticed, but Key's, Key's ball over the top for that chance that Shea had yesterday was absolutely spectacular. Just picked him out. Like, absolutely put it on his toe, and it was brilliant. I thought, even though Key went off after 72 minutes, I thought he was great. And... Um, and you made a special mention of Clark and Mankiyo. I think um, Hayden deserves a special mention as well for coming on yesterday and putting in a really, really good 20 minutes. Um, I've gone completely off track here, mate, but it's because I'm extremely happy with the performance. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think we should be looking to drop share for the match against uh, Fulham at home because he offers so Me? much going forward. Before we talk about Kaysai, your thoughts on that and the formation against Fulham and, and which centre-back start? <laughs> I think it's it's a really tough one because uh, after the um, what was the last home game West Ham Wolves no Wolves um, we were probably too negative and we really would like to see a bit more of a positive approach to a home game against the worst defensive team in the league by an absolute mile um, we'll be able to score more goals than them so I'd I'd probably err on the side of of just playing two at the back and having you know 
six more forward-thinking players ahead. Um, but out of the players who played yesterday and at Wolves, Lascelles is the one that I would drop. Um, that tackle he made in the first oh, half was awful. hilariously stupid on uh, De Portre. <laughs> he, he, he's lucky not to get a red card, but um, he also had a stinker against Wolves. But he's also the club captain, so it's hard to just take him out that team. But Kieran Clark and Cher are in such good form. Clark has also got a goal in him. In a home match against Fulham, I'd probably take Lascelles out of that back five and and play with four. Actually, can I just add, jump in there quickly? Um, Alex, you've you, you seen that the back five didn't look too good against Wolves. And as I say, you know, I, I, I broadly agree with that. However, um, Shea was suspended for that game. So there's a possibility that the back five didn't work precisely because we didn't have that ball playing centre-half in it. Um, so, I agree. I agree. Uh, so I think for, 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 I, I agree, think, actually I agree, think yeah. for Fulham, I'd go for it. I'd go for the five at the back still. I agree. And it, it, that's what I, my initial question was. What I said initially was like it's almost like the back five doesn't work without Cher because I, he ha- because he I, has that ability and if he could get Cher and Lejeune in a back five it'd be much better. But uh, you know, I also worry you know Fulham. I mean we're gonna have a full Fulham preview with a Fulham fan uh, for patrons through the week um, through the week. Uh, so we'll talk more about it then. But I just think Fulham have got Mitrovic up front. He'll play one up front and they'll Fulham will look to players on the counter attack and like like Wolves did in that when we we'll have loads of possession with a back five and there's, there's just nothing in front of the lines there's no movement there's no making any runs there's not enough offensive players um, it, do, it didn't work in my opinion but, but I'm sure Rafa knows what to do Keyson Young Adam um, playing well uh, I want your thoughts on on him in the Asia Cup do you think he'll go what is it looking like and if he does go what's the damage going to be to Newcastle United if he, if he does go there's a chance that he could actually be be summoned um after the Fulham game, which is uh, a bit of a concern given the Chelvies thigh injury, which is he hasn't been able to um, recover from fully. Um, he's made the bench. I mean, he was at the he's, he's on the bench against Burnley. We saw him doing some warm ups at half time and 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 full time. He's there's just something there's something not right there, and it it, it would be a bit of a worry. As Norm mentioned, uh, Hayden came in again out the cold yesterday and did a job. Like he just gets brought on as a body to stand in front of that the, the back five, the back four, whatever it is, and just and just block, being an, be an obstacle to, to teams trying to break us down. So the fact that he has had you know a few minutes of game time here and there slightly betters our situation. If Key's summoned away, if I mean, you know, the future of his international career has has been sort of it's it's sort of been up in the air since the World Cup. Really, um, he captained he captained the, the the team in the World Cup, got injured for their last uh, group game, but he, you know, he was. He, I think he's just still trying to deliberate what what the best course of action is. I think the fact that he hasn't ruled himself out probably means that he is going at some point. But it's it's whether he can negotiate. Going a little bit later because I think they can call him up about two weeks before the tournament starts, which obviously would rule him out of the you know the Boxing Day game against Liverpool. Um, we could really do with him there. So who knows how it's how it's going to work? How how they negotiate with the the South Korean Football Association? I'm not too sure. But at the minute, given Shelby's absence and not knowing when he's going to come back in. We could really, really do with him because he's formed this, as we've all known, this this, this very meaningful partnership with Diame in in, in in Shelby's absence. However, 
I think if Shelby was fit, I still think Shelby Diarmi is our, our best centre midfield pairing because I think Shelby gives us more in terms of looking forward, creating chances, um, final third, as well as the defensive stuff as well. And Shelby's, the, the Shelby's defensive work so far this season has kind of gone under the radar, I feel. Um, people kind of forget just how important he has been and his leadership qualities as well. So I, I'm really, really enjoying Key's form at the minute and the partnership that he's, that he's struck up with Diarmi. But it, we could be in a situation where we're sort of left a bit uh, threadbare in, in, in the centre of the park. Who would have thought it, eh? Mike Ashley's Newcastle United struggling for players in key positions. Um, Sai, uh, context of this win, are we still very much in the relegation zone? Are you, are you thinking that realistically it's going to be the three that are down there or three of the four that are down there? Like, What, what, what does this result do for Newcastle United's season? Um, I mean, I alluded to it before. I think that the season's kind of panning out as, as you'd expect, given the fixture we had early doors. Um You'd like to think that when it comes to us having played 19 games, so the halfway point, we'll probably have another three points, one from the next two games. So we'll be on 19 points. Do that again over another 19 games. We'll we'll finish, we'll finish comfortably. I think uh, we should probably have a few more points than we had, um, but that wouldn't really have us any higher up the table because I think we're five points off Brighton, who are 13th, and they've got a game to play. So I don't think we're as bad as the bottom five. I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll go on another run like we did in the first seven or eight games. So I don't. It's not. We're not. We're not out of it because, as Norman said, absolutely. If we lose Rondon or any other key players, including Key, um, we're we're not really good enough to to gather points without everyone. Every one of our star players, you'd you'd say. So we need a bit of luck in terms of injuries and keeping people fit and keeping key players in the side. Um, or some additions in January would be nice. But Fulham, Southampton and Huddersfield just look so far off, um, even us. Um, and then you've got Cardiff down there as well, who've managed to pull together some points. But there's there's enough teams down there that I don't see this as a particularly risky relegation season. Lads, any thoughts on that? Well, um, I'm not quite as confident as Cy that we won't be in a, in a battle from now until the end of the season. Um, I think... Southampton, even watching Southampton, yeah, are showing slight signs of being, you know, improved under someone who isn't Mark Hughes, basically. Um, <laughs> and if you look at the team on paper, they've got goals in them. They've got like Danny Ings and Charlie Austin. I mean, I know they're kind of yeah, like throwback centre forwards, but they've both got goals in. Ings has just got two excellent goals today. Um, they've got quality through the side. And if this hasn't Tootlefluke gets his act together, um, they, they, they could they could be all right. Um, the side. The side I think that are really in, in the shit are Burnley. I think Burnley are utterly atrocious. They're absolutely abysmal. Um, and I think you mentioned, Alex, um, before we started recording, um, how, how lucky even they've been for their victories this season, Burnley. Um, they're, just, they're just terrible. They look, Daesh looks like the kind of man who's, who's run out of ideas. I might be completely wrong, but that's what they look like at the moment. I still think Cardiff's away form is going to absolutely um, bite them in the backside. So, for me, Burnley, Cardiff... Huddersfield are probably the three sides at the moment I feel are, are going to be um, the bottom three um, but for us you know we, we've Fulham will stay up <laughs> oh god I Fulham um, on around here I, I can all four of them not get relegated um, <laughs> the, uh, the the start that we were we discussed briefly prior, uh, prior to recording as well was um, this, time, we, this time last season so it was actually this day last season was 18 games played 
um, and we had one point less than we've got now. We're in the bottom three. So to a certain extent, despite the, the horror start we had, you could see we've actually improved um, on last season. Uh, it'd be nice to have the same second half again. We'll be right up the table. But I'm very I'm still very nervous because, you know, this is Newcastle United. This is Mike Ashley's Newcastle United. And who knows what's going to go on in January. I still think it is absolutely vital we get in a winger, a centre-forward, in a centre midfielder in the window. Will it happen? Probably not. But do we need it? Yes. We've um, we've got uh, the perfect game this weekend. Bottom of the league. Con- concede goals for fun. For um, what's interesting to me is I look back when we played Southampton, not Southampton, Aston Vale on the same weekend, uh, 2015-16, when we went down. You know, we'd just beaten Liverpool, we'd just beaten Spurs, and we went into that game against against Vile, and they were like bottom of the league, out of sight. They didn't have a hope in hell of surviving. They were so cut off. That's seven points from seventeen games, and Fulham come to us with nine. So it shows you how the league is getting worse in terms of how much more points the top six are picking up. That hmm. seven points back then was just not even a chance of staying up. Whereas if Fulham beat us next weekend, they'll probably move out the relegation zone, and they've only got two points more. Um, if we beat Fulham and we've got 19 points from 17 games, despite a very tough run of fixes in January and February for us, um, I'd think we're going to stay up quite comfortably because you probably, if you're looking at the bottom of the league now, having about 10, what's the relegation zone, 10 points. Um, I mean, all these teams play each other, so they will pick up points, but I'd think 33 points, 32 points is probably enough to, to stay up. And if, if we get the 19 points before Christmas and you get a draw at Watford or you beat Watford and you maybe even get something against Man United at home, um, and we're going to the kind of you know the FA Cup third round day with over twenty points, needing kind of ten, twelve points from your, from the last eighteen odd games to survive. We're more than capable of doing that, and I think mm-hmm. I think we'll stay up comfortably. If we lose to Fulham, anything anything's possible. Um, so that's how big a game it is next weekend. And uh, of course, we'll bring you all of the coverage. We've got loads of podcasts planned through the week for you coming up um, on Patreon. So please do get involved if you like the show. Um, Adam, can I suppose I'll get your thoughts on the, the relegation picture because we've all given ours. Uh, where do you think this leaves United? I think, in terms of our our, def- our defensive solidity, is just I think it's just too good at the minute. I know that sounds cocky at the minute and, and arrogant, but I'm sort of in the a bit more in the, the Simon camp. I think, you know, you think that um, I mean, you, you, we consider that Cardiff and Burnley have uh, have had probably awful. Awful defensive performances so far this season. Fulham have conceded nine more than both of them. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Fulham have conceded twenty more goals than we have so far this season. Like they're gone. Like there's there's. I don't know how you. I don't know how you recover from that. I think that's. I think that's incredibly difficult. Our defence is better than Bournemouths, Watfords, West Ham's, Manchester United's, and we're, we're sort of level uh, with with Everton. Um, and, and, and Brighton in terms of goals we've conceded. I think that foundation alone, because a good defence, conceding none, gets you at least a point. Um, and we have the ability to, you know, to nick a few wins, as we've shown, like we can do that. But there's plenty of other teams below us and around us that that's struggle to do even that and don't have that defensive solidity, solidity that we have. I think, um, I, th- I think that'll put us in good stead and a couple of additions. It's all it'll take. We need. We'll, regardless of what's happening to takeover, a couple of people will come in somehow. I'm, I'm quite confident about that. That might be naive, but I, I do believe that. And I think, you know, he's, he's Rafa Benitez, defensive coach. He's got the defence. 
probably about playing about as good as it can do for the talent that we have in it. We just need to bolster the the, the attacking third and, and and make Rafa's blanket just that little bit bigger. Well said. That's it for the True Faith podcast this week. Uh, thanks for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure to record because you're not now beats winning away from home in the Premier League in the big games. And that's what Rafa Benitez and Newcastle do. We'll win the big, big games when it matters. Um, and God, we could have done with him, him at the club over the years. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks to Adam, Sire, and Norman. Give them a follow on social media. I'll post the links. And uh, I will be back for you well, probably about this time, this time next week uh, when hopefully we're in as good a mood after doing Fulham uh, by several goals to nil because we'll like keeping clean sheets too with this fantastic goalkeeper that we'll have in Martin Dubravka so this has been the True Faith Podcast thanks for listening speak to you soon Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.